The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Live Ultralight, Tayson Whitaker. So there's there's three types of fun, and you, you get to, you know, almost everyone's experienced them if you've hiked a lot or, or done anything, really, that's, that's worth doing, in my opinion. You've got level one that's fun while you're doing it, but you don't really care to, like, talk about it after. You know what I mean? It's, like, entertaining in the moment, and then it's kind of past. Um... Then you've got a type of fun that's that's not fun really in the moment. Like you're not having that much fun, but afterwards it's like you just can't stop telling the story. You know what I mean? And a lot of times that's where we wanna like where we end up living. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure on the John Muir Trail there's times when you're like, this freaking sucks. Like I do not wanna be here. I want a Big Mac in my hand. I want I want different shoes. I want my bed, you know, and, and you're like, this is not fun. But afterwards, like you just love it. And you can't even think about it without this big smile on your face. And that's type two fun. And, that, and anything that I think is worth accomplishing is at least can hit a type two fun. If it's too easy, it's just not worthwhile. You know what I mean? And then there's type three fun, which is not fun in the moment and not fun to talk about after. And you don't want to go to type three fun, you know? <laughs> I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute, help us out, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, let's get on to this week's content. Well, this week we have a real treat. Have you ever wondered, how do I combine my love of the outdoors with a profitable and fulfilling career? If so, today is your lucky day. 
we are sitting down with Tayson Whitaker, the founder and CEO of the Ultralight Backpacking Gear Company, Outdoor Vitals. Welcome to the pod, Tayson. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Excited to be here. Uh, we're excited to talk to you. Hey, have you ever listened to the uh, John Freaking Muir pod? You know, earlier this week, I started an episode and got a little ways into it between a couple meetings that I had. And, and so I haven't got a full episode in, but um, listened to a bit of one and thought it was awesome. Okay. Well, hey, I only ask because I want to make sure that you, re- you are uh, aware of a regular feature we have on the pod, and that is the pro tip inside of the week. So as we get to the end of the episode, I'm going to turn to you and I'm going to say, Tayson, what is your, your pro tip inside of the week? What little tip, trick, piece of wisdom can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor adventure even more epic? So don't be surprised when we get there. Okay. Okay. I'll, okay. I'll make some notes down as we go here then. Perfect. Perfect. All right. Hey, another segment we've been doing is the must bring gear review. And for this episode, I'm going to call it the must bring gear review sponsored by Outdoor Vitals. (laughs) (laughs) And here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Tayson, what is your must bring piece of gear? For me, um, I'm going to go with my sleeping bag or my top quilt that I'm using. I, I'm using a top quilt, but um, I, guess, I guess nothing's really changed for me because when I started Outdoor Vitals, that was the first product we made because I felt like it made the biggest impact in my kit. The previous bag that I had was like, seriously, it was like eight or nine pounds, just this massive thing. It was like the size of, it's bigger and heavier than about my whole backpack and kit is now. And so I made massive gains by having a sleeping bag, but mainly I had a lot of cold nights growing up, like sleeping out with scouts, boy scouts, things like that. And I, I, if I can help it, I don't want to sleep cold. So I'd say having the right bag, you know, a quality, a quality bag. Um, it's the biggest weight and bulk savings and you sleep, you're in at eight hours. People don't realize that, but you're laying in a sleeping bag like eight hours and, uh, so that'd probably be the number one. I can tough it out with a backpack that might not be as comfortable or something or, but, uh, I'd probably go with the sleeping bag. Okay. And do you have a particular brand? Is there an outdoor vitals brand that you want to, or a, a yeah, particular I'll, model? I'll say this, this is a little preemptive. Um, but we just did a redesign on our top quilt that's going to launch at the very end of this month. And that's uh, the 15 degree long version of that top quilt is money it's money. So that's my preferred bag for everything. All right. That's great. Now I've always said that if, you know, one of two things is happening, you're not having a good time out there. If you're not getting a lot of sleep, you're not having fun out there. And if your feet hurt, you're not having fun out there. So by having this, uh, this particular piece of gear, that's going to help ensure a good night of sleep and, and better times out there. Yeah. For me, if I was to add a second one though, to that list that you just gave would be hydration and, uh, my, my Catadine B-free water filter is like my, I don't want to leave without that thing anymore. Okay. Now you made reference to the weight of your kit. What I, you're, you're a gear guy. You've, you're obviously a gear guy cause you've got a gear company. So I love to talk gear and hear what people pack on their, on their uh, long distance trails. What, uh, what does your pack look like? How much does it weigh? What are your big three? So for me, my pack is typically between 10 and 12 pounds. I give a range because some people like put out a pack weight, like this is the end all be all weight. Right. But to me, every trip is different. The layers I pack, 
the gear I choose to bring for that trip changes. But as long as I'm feeling like I'm 12 pounds or less, I'm feeling really good on the trail and just happy with where my kit's at. But sometimes, you know, I'll throw in a Helinox chair or I'm throwing in some fishing gear or throwing in some extra layers, something, you know? And so to me, if, as long as I'm staying between 10 to 12 pounds, I feel like I'm, I'm doing great. I can suck it down when I need to down to about nine pounds, but um, that's really kind of where I'm living. Okay. And are you tarp guy, tent guy, cowboy camp? What do you think? Um, we've been doing some uh, research and freestanding single wall tents. And so for the last year and a half, I've lived in those things and I'm, I don't have any reason to ever change. Cause I mean, it's, it's about as light as a tarp, you know, like our single person, I, I can't even say it's out there cause we've had some hiccups with production and COVID. Um, it's, it's literally not going to be here till next year, but, but you know, you're looking at like a pound and a half, uh, for the whole thing. And so it's barely lighter than, a, or barely heavier than a tarp, mm-hmm. but I get fully enclosed. I get a floor, I can keep debris and bugs out. And so that's, that's my go-to is a free or a, a trekking pole pitched, uh, single wall tent. Okay. So I've been going with a tarp lately because just because I'm trying to get lighter. And so yeah. if there, if there is an option like that out there, that, uh, it's not going to break the bank. That's, uh, that's very helpful. Yeah. There's a few out there that are currently on the market. Um, the Gossamer gear one that might break the bank on you. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more. And I've, I have not tested this one, so I can't review it from like a high pedestal, but I just see it pop up a lot, which is, I think it's the Dan Durston one or something like that. It's the, it's a, for the money, it looks like a good deal. The Dan Durston one. I don't know what the, the model is, but it's a Dan Durston trekking Got content. It. I think he's the, the maker of the brand. Okay. And how about your backpack? What, uh, you have a specific brand you like to carry? Yeah. So we have our own pack that we released um, earlier this year called the shadow light. It's basically when we designed it that we said, Hey, for a sub two bound backpack, what can we give you? So we kind of did it different where everyone else is just like, what can we cut off of the backpack? We said it has to be under two pounds, but like, what can we provide for under two pounds? And we put together just a really, a really sweet pack. It's become one of our best sellers and just done really, really well for us. But what I love about it is it has a 24 inch frame. So you can actually get a load lift off your shoulders when you're carrying big water carries and stuff like that. So comfort is really there. It's got a lot of things that other ultralight packs don't like extra, you know, some different pocketing, more options and pocketing and, mm-hmm. and access. And yeah, just all around, it's been like, obviously when you get to design stuff, you get, you know, or be a part of the design. I definitely am not taking credit for all that. I have a, an amazing lead designer. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you get to be a part of it, it, you know, it's going to become probably your favorite. So <laughs> it's exactly what we set out to do. So. Very good. Now, I've got a granite gear crown, crown 60, and uh, I love it. I love the weight on it and I love the way it feels, but there are not a lot of uh, pouches up front. A lot, not a lot of uh, spaces where I can put stuff to keep it nice and handy. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, we've got some big, we don't have anything on the shoulder straps trying to keep weight off the shoulders, but we do have some big hip belt pockets. Like I kind of joked when we were doing the, the sampling and stuff as I was just like, I lose stuff in these things. Like they're so big. I like can't find stuff. And at one point I thought I lost my keys because they're so big. I dug and dug had anyways, now they have a key clip because of that, <laughs> but yeah, it's important to have access to stuff. So 
Yeah, if the founder and CEO has a suggestion, yeah, you know, I couldn't find my keys. The designer, I, I, I can see, you know, put it, let's put a key clip on there. Yeah, I didn't even just get one. I got two key clips on it now. So each pocket. <laughs> You've got some pull there, my friend. Very good. Now, hey, one question I like to ask to find out what level of ultralight crazy one of my guests is, is uh, do you drill holes in your toothbrush? To get rid of some of those grams. <clears throat> Um, I have broken off the end of my toothbrush, but I don't drill <laughs> holes. So halfway. <laughs> I, I think, I think you qualify, Tayson. I think you qualify. Very good. All right. Hey, before we get too far down the trail, let's back up a little bit. I'd love to hear about your, your background, where you grew up, you know, what kinds of hobbies and sports you participated in as a kid and you know, how, how did that through hiking cult rope you in? Yeah. So for me, I grew up in a small town in rural Utah, um, but I didn't know it. I thought I was from the big city because uh, we had about five, 6,000 people in our town. And, but everywhere else was smaller, even smaller farming communities. So we were the big city. We had the Walmart, you know what I mean? Like we were, uh -huh. we were happening. And uh, so yeah, I just grew up in a really small town, spent a ton of time outside. I mean, there just wasn't much to do other than being outside. And so spent a lot of time with friends outside, family outside. Um, you know, and I, I actually didn't grow up per se backpacking and doing stuff like that, but I grew up a sportsman, um, you know, did, did some fishing, different things, uh, even grew up on, on dirt bikes and stuff like that. So, um, just love, love the outdoors. And as I got a little bit older, um, just started to try to get farther and farther into the wilderness and, and farther away. But yeah, I mean, I, I grew up doing that and just spent a ton of time outside. I, I, um, played some sports. I played football, uh, defensive end. I'm about, I'm about six, three, two, 200 plus pounds. So that was kind of my role. And, um, and then I actually threw discus and did a little, that a little bit in college too. So. Okay. Where'd you go to college? Um, Southern Utah university. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just down here in Southern rural Utah, um, studied finance. So I always kind of joke that I, I'm a finance degree that, loves marketing and learned how to design. So <laughs> got it all triple threat. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and, um, what is your experience with long trails? Have you ever, ever done a long trail? Um, no, so I've never done a long trail and to be kind of, this has kind of been coming up more recently and some stuff that we might start putting out as a company which is I kind of fall in this category where went to college and right after graduating college was, you know, in, in love with my wife, got married shortly um, and then started the company and, and that, and, you know, took over life. And, and then now I've got two little kids. And so I don't know if a long trail is ever like in my, in my future, but I still spend, you know, 30 nights out a year, you know, it's just in increments and, and bits and pieces. And so, you'll see us do, you know, this year we've got a couple, you know, 70 mile hike, hundred mile hike, just some different through hikes that we'll do as a company. And then other, you know, I've got a week in Colorado at one point that I've got going on. So just kind of take it in bits and pieces, but I, I, I can't attest that I'm, you know, a through hiker or have my through hiking name or anything quite like that. Yeah. I'm right. I'm right there with you. You know, we have jobs and responsibilities that don't allow us <laughs> to take off or five, six months out of the year. That's, uh, you're like 99% of the rest of the people out there. Yeah. And, and to be honest, that's kind of come on our radar recently where it's just like, we'd love to recognize and have 
you know, ways, I guess, for guys like you and me to, I don't know, not, not, not like feel accomplished, but also not feel alienated when it's not like, Hey, I'm, I'm not a through hiker. And it's kind of like, you, you get that like feeling of like, ah, oh, you're not serious then. You know what I mean? Cause like, I am serious. I spend lots of nights outside the, you know, out backpacking and putting miles down and stuff, but not three months at a time. I know exactly what you're talking about. Cause I've had, I've had triple crowners on this podcast and I always have to throw out the disclaimer when I'm talking to them. You know, I've done the John Muir trail. I've, I've section hiked this and that I've not done, you know, uh, the PCT or the AT or the CDT. And so I always feel like I'm a, I'm a bit on the outside a little bit, but, uh, I tell you what, I really enjoy talking to the unique brand of people that do spend that kind of time out there. It's, it's uh, they're, they're a, a funny, a funny group of people. They're, they're funny, but like you can't do something like a through hike and not have it change you or have an impact on you. So I'm sure there's just, there's a lot to be learned from, from everyone. And, and they're going to learn something that whether it be from a personal standpoint, gear standpoint, whatever fitness standpoint. Um, yeah. They're, they invested a lot of time in it. So yeah. And talk about changing people. I've got, I've got a playlist on Spotify. It's called the long trail uh, playlist uh, for the John freaking Muir pod. And uh, you know, for our listeners out there, if you, if you want to hear, if you just want to listen to the long trail guys and gals that have been on this, on this podcast and hear what they've been through and how it's changed them. Uh, it's a, it, it, there's a lot of great stories out there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, just out of curiosity, when you look at it, backpacking, how much of, of backpacking for you is like, um, just getting out being, you know, in, in the woods, stress relief, disconnect. And how much of it is like kind of goal driven? Like, Hey, I want to go and accomplish this thing, hit this goal, finish the John Muir trail. I mean, that's a big feat. Like how much it's hard to like say a percentage or something, but are both of those really important to you? Or is it more so like hiking is a, is a disconnect only or, I get a lot of, a lot of enjoyment out of planning my hike. I think like 50% of the pleasure comes from planning, you know, where am I, okay, where are we leaving? When are we leaving? What do I need to bring? What, where's our, you know, anticipated campsites? What's that all going to look like? And then going out and doing the disconnect and then being able to come back and say, you know what, I did this. And I think that is a huge part of, of why we do this is because uh, not everybody uh, puts everything on their back and is out there for weeks at a time uh, going from this point in the morning to that point in the afternoon and turning back and, at the end of the day and, and looking behind you and said, man, I just covered all of that distance. I think it really, it really builds up a, a feeling of self-accomplishment and, and grit and confidence. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, I yeah, I think that's great to hear. Cause I think, you know, even something like the John Muir trail, that kind of mileage and putting that down could, change someone you know yep absolutely all right now brothers sisters growing up two older brothers and an older sister i was the youngest the baby of the family huh yeah yeah <laughs> six foot three 220 pound defensive end baby of the family <laughs> that's that's right somehow <laughs> they all squeaked out of there at like 170 so very good and did did the three of them get involved in uh, the outdoors or are, are their careers centered around the outdoors like yours is? No, I've got a banker, one brother, a chiropractor, another brother, you know, and, and yeah, so they, they definitely are involved in the outdoors um, with me. And that's where we spend our family time for sure. Um, one of my brothers, you know, I could definitely 
give him credit too, to kind of push me into getting into ultralight backpacking. Um, he was really getting into like hammock camping and some of that stuff. And, um, so I, when I very first was getting started back in college and, you know, pushing distances and trying to, trying to lighten up and whatnot, um, leaned on him a bit, but, uh, yeah, we spent a lot of family time out, but they're not per se directly involved with it. Okay. Well, let's talk about how you got your start in backpacking. So there's a difference between, you know, going out and fishing and, and doing outdoor activities, dirt biking. And it's another thing to say, you know what, let's put everything in a backpack and, and walk for, walk for days and, and sleep in the dirt and, and have a good time. How, how did you get, how did that all start? Yeah. Um, a lot of it started with, with like my brothers, like I was saying, just wanting to get out away from people, whether it get into backcountry lakes or, or even in the hunting aspect to just push the distances. But the more I like dipped my toe into just getting further into the backcountry, the more I just fell in love with it and was just like, wanted to get back there. Um, I love, I love just getting back there and feeling more alone, feeling more in touch with nature and, and, man, sometimes it just doesn't take that many miles to get away from, from crowds and people and stuff. And not that that's a bad thing that I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but that's really what drove me. It's just like, Holy cow, like we're 10 miles back in here and you know, there's one way in one way out. And, and just that massive disconnect really intrigued me. It just captured me to where I didn't even care for anything other than getting into the back country and, and getting in farther. And, and, um, you know, really since then I just, I don't know, like I, I'll cruise past a busy lake to go hike in somewhere or, or, um, whatever it is, wherever we're going, it's like, where, where can we hike to, you know, it's not, where can we see from the car? I don't know. I'm just infatuated with, with high country. I love going high and, and, yeah. and I love going far back in there. So. And so where, where have you gone? Where have you done your, your trips? Is it mostly in Utah or have you gotten around the, the U S and beyond? Yeah. So, most of it has been here in Utah. Um, I was up in Alaska last year doing a little bit up there with, with a brother actually. So that was a little bit more of a sportsman trip, go to Colorado pretty frequently and backpack around, um, like the high top wilderness and some areas in there. Um, this year I'll be going down into the LaSalle's, which I'm really excited about. Um, but I would probably say like one of my favorite areas I've ever been to is just in the Uintas here in Utah. Um, just kind of like stepping into a different, I mean, it's probably it, a lot of the scenery is kind of like the, the John Muir trail, right. Or yeah, right. That's what any of that high country up there, the yeah. just, um, man, I'm going to go blank the wind rivers and Wyoming, you know, that kind of country is right. just, it's amazing. It's brutal. It's, it's hard, but it's, it's just like you step into a different world almost when you get that high up. Yeah. I've had, I've had folks on who have talked about their trips on the Appalachian trail and, you know, that's referred to as the green tunnel. Cause you spend a lot of time in and amongst the trees and the views kind of obscured and uh, that that's great. Um, there's something to be said about forests and trees, but I think that some of the most beautiful country is up above the tree line. Uh, just like you're saying, you know, the high Sierras, the, the Uintas, the you know, wind river, those all kind of had the same makeup, uh, you know, above 10,000 feet and just, just the, desolation and the, the rock and the, the Alpine lakes. And it's just a, a different world. Yeah. It, it's, it's just amazing. It pushes you. And I just, I love, I think, I think I'm kind of infatuated with just seeing as far as I can see. I love to get up on a peak and just look, and I could, I could sit up there and just look forever. I feel like every time I get to the top of a peak, whether it be with my team members or whatever, they're like, Oh, did it got the t-shirt. Like, let's go down. And I'm like, wait, let's spend like three hours just sitting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. So I just, definitely, I definitely love just, that. Just don't tap the top and turn around. Spend some time up there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My son and I, we did the Southern half of the John Muir trail a couple of years back and we got a tip from an old timer on the trail about a campsite just, just below Whitney, just below Mount Whitney campsite was at 13,400 feet. We had the best view. It was incredible. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's a high campsite too. I mean, hopefully you're good on elevation. Yeah. Luckily for us, it was the eighth day of the trip and, you know, we'd spent most of that, you know, 80% of that time above 10,000 feet. So yep. it wasn't too yeah. bad. Oh, that's awesome. That's way cool. Way cool experience. All right. So how did, how, how have you seen gear change over the years? What was the gear like when you started out and how have you taken that and said, you know what, I can do it better. Um, that's a great question. And I wish that I could answer this a little bit different, more from like a historic standpoint, but to be totally honest, I started my company when I was, when I was 23 years old. Um, and so as I was even designing some of the gear and working on the gear, it was the best that I knew about per se. And so as a company, we've gone through these big jumps over time where you know, whether it be my knowledge, you bring in team members, you get the right manufacturing partners, our levels jump. And, and so I've seen kind of from what, what's happened per se in the last 10 years, pretty specifically in the industry. Um, but also my perspective on it has changed a lot where, you know, in the beginning, I couldn't even look at an Arteryx piece. You know what I mean? Like I just couldn't even imagine spending that kind of money on something. And so it wasn't even, it almost like wasn't on my radar to some degree. But I would say what I've seen the most of in this industry in the last little while is um, there seems to be people just seem to be pretty dang willing to spend on good gear, which is a good thing because a lot of times you buy and then you change it and then you change it and you change it before long, you got five sleeping bags and two backpacks and you know, nine water filters and 10 headlamps. You know what I mean? Yeah. But instead it seems like people are getting they're, they're, they're educating themselves on why. And, and so the, it really is driving innovation forward. Um, and so that's why I like, like personally, I love to spend a lot of our time on the education piece because if you understand kind of the background of it, you can, you can make just a better educated decision. Our company's logo is an owl, which is, is a symbol of wisdom. Right. And the reason that I did that was because to me, it was starting a new age. You know, people don't act, you hear more negative comments about people going into a store like REI and talking to the sales reps and having them choose the product for them than anything else anymore because people want to do their own research. They want to listen to podcasts like this, right. learn from people and make their own decisions. And so that's what I feel like has changed the most is consumers knowledge has skyrocketed so much in the last five years, 10 years that it pushes companies like us and everyone else to make better and better gear and become more and more transparent and, and, it, and if you, if, if you can make a better piece of gear and it costs a little bit more money, people are kind of more, more and more willing to spend it. Now, I, I love to be able to help people to get into the outdoors that, that can't afford it before. I, that was like a big premise of starting Outdoor Vitals because we do everything direct to consumer. But I'd say that's been the biggest change is the level of innovation that's getting pushed now based off of consumers pushing it forward and wanting more. Um, it's just it's, it's very fast moving and it's been pretty incredible. I feel like to watch. Yeah. We've talked on this podcast about the, uh, the triangle 
when considering gear. In the triangle, are, are, there's three, three, three points. There's weight, there's price, and there's quality. And so typically the lighter it gets, the more expensive it is, unless it's not, not good quality, right? And then, uh, and, and, and likewise with the other, the, other, the other two components there. So well, those are big considerations to take a look at when, when deciding on what, to, what kind of gear to pack into your, into your bag. And you're exactly right. I mean, if it's quality, if it's quality, it's not something you're going to have to replace, you know, every, every year or every two years, something you can live with for, for you know, multiple, multiple trips. Uh, people are going to spend the money for it. Yeah. And they should. And they should. And, and when you pay big money for something too, you take care of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You put, you, you, you buy a $500 Cuban fiber backpack or something like that. You typically aren't just trashing it on the ground at the end of the day and dragging it across a rock. And, you know, you're just conscious and people are conscious and it ends up being, you know, more savings and, and better performing gear. Mm-hmm. Now on the early backpacking trips with your, with your brother or brothers, did it, were you, um, any stories about, uh, discomfort, uh, anything that inspired you early on to say, you know what, this is, there's gotta be a better way to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll back it up even farther. Um, in boy Scouts, I just, you know, my dad, he slept in a trailer, right? We had a tiny little camp trailer, just an old, like, 20 30 year old camp trailer and he'd drag it around and that's where he'd sleep i mean the amount of times i saw him sleep in a tent i I don't even know and so i feel like i had a pretty big disconnect with education and i remember one time i went to the scout i don't know overnighter and you know that they provided some some big spring bar tents but you know you needed to bring your own sleeping pad sleeping bag and i used to know any better so i show up with a you know a bag rated for freezing 32 degrees synthetic bag you know, real cheap one that I think my mom won somewhere on a raffle, you know, and, and and I get there and I realize like, Oh, I didn't even bring a sleeping pad. Dang it. Oh, well, you know, and we go and it's great and it's great. And then right as it starts to get dark, the weather just starts turning and it starts getting cold. The wind starts blowing and it was just cold. So anyone, everyone hops in their tents and I go get in my tent and I get in this, you know, summer sleeping bag, really. And that I probably wouldn't have slept in in 50 degrees, no one better and no pad, no nothing. And I thought I was going to freeze to death. I just, I knew I was going to freeze to death. And in the morning I had to go to the bathroom so bad. And I was like, I can't get out of the sleeping bag. I'm so cold. Like anyway, so I'm like, I've just got to go as fast as I possibly can. So I unzip my bag as fast as I can. I run over the tent. I unzip, I zip up as fast as I can. I just jump two feet out of the tent into about a foot of snow. (laughs) And I just like barefoot, you know, and I just freak out. I'm like, what in the, I was like, you know, just so mad freezing down and then climb back in the tent, try to get my bag. And I just froze and it was just the worst experience, right? Like you can imagine I was, and, and, but that like encompasses a lot of experiences I had. And so somewhere along the lines, I don't know how I, I continued to like the outdoors, you know, <laughs> with all the suffering I did as a kid. And it wasn't until I got into um, college and started doing my own research and just learning and stuff that I realized like there's a better way and that there's so much more out there. And it was like, I, I like felt almost like cheated. I'm like people have like, and, and especially once I like bought it, bought a couple items, started using them. I was like, people have had this level of stuff this entire time. Like I, it, it absolutely blew me away. Like I could not even, I was like so mad, but also like enough so that I was like, 
we got to do something about this. And that's really where the company was started was like, people got to know and people got to understand that you can sleep just as well in the backwoods as you could in a, in a hotel. You know what I mean? If you just know what you're doing and you have the right gear. And so, but yeah, even, even after like I, the light bulb started to switch on, you know, I, I don't want to knock brands, but like there's a specific sleeping pad out there that seems like everyone buys and everyone gets rid of it. You know, you wake up on the ground or you think it's thick and comfortable and your hip hits the ground all night or bless my, my wife's heart. You know, I, she was kind of a Guinea pig for a lot of the stuff we were developing and trying and, you know, and by the end of it, she kind of took a couple years sabbatical on any backpacking, you know? So yeah, we definitely had some, some fun experiences once we even learned about it, learning about it. You know what I mean? Like back right. then too, there wasn't nearly even the YouTube content out there and, and stuff. So, right. You know, when I talk to people who, uh, you know, did the PCT back in 2007, I, I have to scratch my head and ask them, how, how did you plan for that? Because, you know, what was available on the internet in 2007 is a far cry from what's available now. Yeah, that's a whole different level of crazy than the guys that are doing it now too, you know? <laughs> right, right. And, and going back, I want to go back to a few points that you talked about there. One is the, uh, the issue of suffering. Out in, out in nature, out on these trips. And I think there's something to be said about how powerful, how, transfer, how transformational nature is to us, you know, how, how it changes us. Because despite all the stories of suffering that we've covered on this podcast, people still go out there. People have had miserable first experiences, you know, whole, wholesale sections of, of skin peeling off their feet and just misery. And they go back and they, they do it again. They do it again and they get better at it and get better at it. And, and so there's the, the positives of nature outweigh the, any, any suffering that you have to go through. Have, have you talked about the, the three types of fun on your podcast? <laughs> no. What are no? the three types of fun? Oh, you got to know those. So there's, there's three types of fun and you, you get to, you know, almost everyone's experienced them if you've hiked a lot or, or done anything really that's, that's worth doing, in my opinion. You've got level one that's fun while you're doing it, but you don't really care to like talk about it after. You know what I mean? It's like entertaining in the moment and then it's kind of past. Um, then you've got a type of fun that's, that's not fun really in the moment. Like you're not having that much fun, but afterwards it's like, you just can't stop telling the story. You know what I mean? And a lot of times that's where we want to, like where we end up living. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure on the John Muir trail, there's times when you're like, this freaking sucks. Like I do not want to be here. I want a Big Mac in my hand. I want, I want different shoes. I want my bed, you know? And, and you're like, this is not fun. But afterwards, like you just love it. And you can't even think about it without this big smile on your face. And that's type two fun. And, and anything that I think is worth accomplishing is at least can hit a type two fun. If it's too easy, it's just not worthwhile. You know what I mean? And then there's type three fun, which is not fun in the moment and not fun to talk about after. And you don't want to go to type three fun, you know? <laughs> so yeah, what you're describing right there is a lot of, you know, type two fun, I feel like. And, and look, it's going to get hard. It's going to get challenging. There's going to be times you want to tap out, but after it's done, that sense of accomplishment or achievement just far outweighs any, you know, pain during the process. Yeah, we, we talked to uh, I.B. Tat. He's a long, long trailer who has done the PCT and the AT. He's currently out on the CDT trying to get his triple crown right now. And his, his 
uh, pro tip inside of the week. I don't want to steal your thunder in case you were thinking of this, but his, his pro tip was never quit on a bad day. If you're going to quit, yeah. quit on a good day. Don't let, don't let the circumstances make you quit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I runners say it a different way. I'm not really a runner, but at one point in a ran with someone who told me this and uh, you know, they said, never decide to turn around halfway on a hill. You either commit to running the whole hill before you start, or you just don't do the hill to begin with. You know what I mean? And, and I resonate a lot with, with the same thing that he's saying, you know, you mm-hmm. don't quit on a bad day. You, you don't turn around halfway through, you either do it or you don't from right. the beginning. Cause you train yourself to, to tap out. You'll tap out way too often. Yeah. That's very Yoda. There is no try. <laughs> There's only do, do or do not. <laughs> very good. And then the, the, the part about feeling cheated when you discover that there was better gear out there, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I had on the pod, um, Aaron Mayhew from Backcountry Foodie. And we talked about how to do food on the trail. And uh, I got to look at her recipes and, and uh, what was available on her website. And I thought, this is, I've been doing it all wrong. This is, this is a game changer. I, I've, been, I've been eating ramen and, uh, and payday oh. bars. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's, that's a changer too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, even for me now, I can't even do uh, like Mountain House. Some people love them. I've got to go to the next rung up. It's just, it changes, <laughs> changes it for me too. But yeah, yeah. I mean that, that feeling of feeling cheated, I, you know, to this day, the most crushing thing, like if I, if at the end of the day I help with anything, I, I, I really believe that the more people that backpack, more people that have exposure to the outdoors and stuff like that, the more protection will get to the outdoors and just the more good, I mean, whether it be from a mental health perspective, like getting out there and just connecting, we've got so much technology, we've got, you know, mental health, emotional health, physical health, all these different things, plus just trying to protect the wilderness. Um, it's just all super, super important to me, I guess. And what crushes me more than anything, and what I hope that I can have an impact on over the course of my life, is when I hear people say like, oh yeah, I backpacked once, it's the worst thing I ever did, and I'll never go again. Or like, you know, I camped once, and I froze my butt off, and I'll never go again. That kills me. You know, I'm like, oh, like I wish I could have got to you before you had that experience. I wish you could have come across our YouTube channel or, you know, you know, something because it ruins it. The rest of their life, they miss out on one of the best things there ever is for us to access and, and take part in. And it's just gone because of one bad experience and, and, and a scarring moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the last thing I'm going to talk about before we go to a quick break is the level two fun. That is that it's, it's not fun in the moment, but you love to talk about it. I don't know about you, Tayson, but uh, when I go to family gatherings now and they see me coming, they say, oh, oh he's going he's gonna to talk to us about hiking. We got to go. We gotta, they go to another part of the house. So yeah, right. I, I come back and I, I try and, and tell people how transformative it is and, and what you know how epic it is and i show pictures and i and they say oh yeah that's that's a nice picture and i say no it's not nice you this is this is not a nice place this is an unbelievable place right right no i i can i can sympathize towards that i think my wife even just thinks that half the time she gets it but at the same time she's like you're nuts you know like the amount of time you spend out there like i just don't you, you know but yeah it's it's uh i feel like type two fun is something that more people need to experience it some, you know, and that's kind of why I've never been asked on a podcast and I've done quite a few interviews, um, you know, like what sports I played in high school. You know what I mean? Like, but I probably learned type two fun playing sports 
you know, that was a transformative character building moment when, you know, you're just getting destroyed in, in football practice or something or, or whatever it is. I kind of had a, a, a very disciplinary coach in football that it was more about the, the running than the football sometimes. Um, but, you know, like I wouldn't trade that for anything. I mean, that taught me how to work hard and just how to do hard things, you know, and, and if I hadn't done hard things, then I, then I wouldn't have accomplished the stuff I've, that I feel like I've been able to work hard and, and achieve. And, and I wouldn't do backpacking. I wouldn't do a lot of things that have brought some of the biggest joy to my life. I mean, even raising kids, like there's a lot of people that don't want kids anymore and, you know, to each their own, but there is a level of difficulty and there's a decision, you know, when you, when it's time to have kids or, or you're thinking about it, like where you, it's going to be hard. It's going to be real hard sometimes, Absolutely. but it's totally worth it. It's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done and will be the most, you know, at the end of the day. Okay. And going to break, do you have a type two level fun story from the trail? Something that was not fun in the moment, but man, you like to talk about it. (laughs) Oh man. Um, I've had frostbite twice and, uh, both of them, I would say, were level two fun. Uh, the, this, uh, this last one was just last year. Um, it was up in Alaska. We've, we did a fly-in drop camp uh, almost to the northernmost point in, in Alaska, out in the tundra. And uh, me and my brother just got way out there. And, and, you know, at that point in the year, the sun barely goes down. And so it's just kind of like, man, it's like a four-hour walk back to camp or we could just huddle down on the side of this mountain for two hours while it's dark and then back to doing what we're doing. You know what I mean? We don't have to go back to camp and spend like eight hours hiking to and from camp. And so we decided to do it and we committed and, and, you know, should have been just fine. Should have been just fine. But uh, I made a pretty stupid mistake on my part of not putting on my uh, hip, hip waders. And as I was crossing a bog, kind of a boggy area, my feet, got into the water. And so I had wet feet to start off this long, miserable night. And the thing we didn't factor in is it's dark for two hours, but it's like that gray light for like two hours on each side of it. And yeah, I just, I remember waking up, you know, in the middle of it and just being so cold. I just did not know what to do other than I was like, I just have to walk. I just have to get up and move or I'm like, feel like I'm going to freeze to death on the side of this hill in Alaska, you know, nearly thousands of miles from the closest city or anywhere. Right. And, um, so yeah, I just sat there and just walked for like a half an hour, just totally like delirious almost and suffered out the rest of the night. And the next morning I was like, I've done it again. My toes are not getting their feeling back right now, you know? So, um, and both of those times they lost feeling for about a month and then it kind of slowly came back. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day though, that was just, that was one of the funnest, trips I've been on and you know the reason that we stayed in that area you know paid off for us um and it was it was just one of those things where it's like it's looking back now I kind of chuckle and laugh about it. it it freaking sucked in the moment but uh it's an experience and I'll never forget it and that trip in and of itself was was a dream so definitely type two fun and just <laughs> yeah. to clarify you you still have all your toes I do have all my toes and they all have majority of their feeling you know if i've lost feeling i don't know it so 
Very good. I'll share a quick uh, type two fun story because uh, it's a great topic and I love the way you, you phrased that. Yeah. Um, we were in Yosemite, not Yosemite. We were on the John Muir Trail, uh, 2015, myself, Chopper, and Buddy. And we were coming down from Forrester and it was raining and then it cleared up. We dried out. We took our camp spot in uh, Tyndall Frog Ponds set up our tents and I, the weather was so clear. I even decided I, I, I was considering not putting on the rain fly. And I said, uh, almost at the last minute, I better put on the rain fly, I put on the rain fly. We get into, we get into bed. It's probably eight o'clock, eight thirty, you know, just, just before hiker midnight. And we're in there for about hour in our individual tents. And here comes a storm and you hear lightning and thunder in the distance. And there's a, you see the flash and you hear the, the crack of thunder, like, you know, 30 seconds later, and then it's, you know, 25 seconds later, and then it's like 10 seconds later. And at some point it was, it was a flash of light and it was an immediate clap of thunder right on top of us. And it was just pouring, pouring all night long. I don't think any of us got any sleep more than, you know, 10 minutes at a time. Woke Did lightning up, we were continue just, the whole time? Oh, the whole time. We were just <laughs> crashed awesome. in the morning. And uh, the ranger came by and checked on us. And she said, you know, she'd been there 15 years and had never seen a storm like that. And so that wow. was definite. That was definite misery in the moment. But man, love to talk about it. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, no, it's frightening. But I mean, that's, that's way cool. I, that's seriously one of my favorite things ever. Like if you were to picture, like if I was to picture like if I, my happy place, um, again, out here we have a lot of wildlife, but like one of the coolest things I remember ever experiencing is one time I, I've, I'm sitting up on this hill, had my binoculars, and I was watching these elk down below me. And there's these two younger bulls, and they're fighting, you know, and I'm watching them fight. And I'm, I'm at least five miles into the backcountry, not on a trail, just total backcountry. And they're fighting, and there's this one. It was like he just drew this line across this meadow, and he's like, you will not cross this line. And he'd chase them up and down the meadow, and he's like, you're not crossing this line. And I'm watching, I'm watching, all of a sudden this thunderstorm just rolls in. And uh, you just, you hear that thunder clap and then you just hear the, the elk bugle back at it. They just scream back at the, you know, at the thunder and, and it clapping and they'd scream back at the thunder. And it was just one of the coolest, I mean, I, I've had, I've actually got to experience this a few times, but you know, that is like one of my happy, like thunderstorms in the wilderness are so cool and they can be terrifying. If you're up on some ridges and stuff, man, you're running what you feel like for your life, but, and they could be type two fun, but man, that sounds like a really cool experience i'm sure you wish you got some sleep but at the same time like yeah how cool is that yeah that was it was freaking awesome so <laughs> all right hey we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're gonna get down into uh, the nitty-gritty details on outdoor vitals uh products origins early days what it's all about uh philosophy of the company all that good stuff so stay tuned for that we'll be right back want to make a podcast spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then, you can distribute your pod podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. 
Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. And welcome back. Talking to the founder and CEO of Outdoor Vitals, Tayson Whitaker. And we're going to get into some details about the company. And we talked a little bit about uh, kind of inspiration, but when did you actually decide to start up Outdoor Vitals? And, and how did that go? How'd you get it off the ground? So I've always kind of been a weird duck, I guess you could say, in the sense that I, I knew from a really young age what I wanted to do. I was really interested in entrepreneurship and kind of the opportunities it provided, but also just the impact that I felt like I could it was the most, most I could accomplish is kind of, I guess, how I'd almost phrase it too. And so in college, I was going to business school and finance and just to always kind of looking for things um, to, to get my hands into. But really, I was hoping I could find something really related to my passions. Um, so I was working at a company, I was doing an internship, and I found this other company that was doing some import export in a different industry. And I went, I turned in a resume and and never heard anything back. And so I showed up about a month later and I said, look, I'm going to come here during my lunch hour and I'm going to work for free. So find something for me to do. And, um, showed up the next day with my sandwich and, you know, I ate my sandwich and he <laughs> crazy. I mean, he gave, he gave me basically his QuickBooks file and said, do, uh, I haven't filed taxes this year or last year, go ahead and catch our books up. And, and I was like, I don't, I've never done QuickBooks. Sure. Um, anyway, so I jumped right into it and, you know, then from there it was like, okay, this is, this is where, I think I could, I, I, I could have an impact. And I was also just, I guess, to back up another step, I did spend some time in Singapore and Malaysia doing some volunteer work, spent a couple of years over there uh, in the middle of kind of my college time. And so I really wanted to link together that. I loved the people in Asia. I loved, I, I thought too, you know, if I could bring jobs over there, it could just have such a massive impact on some people. And, and so I was kind of looking for ways to do, to connect those. And then all, all of that's happening. I was just really getting into backpacking and just finding a true love for it and started to acquire some gear pieces. I picked up like an Osprey backpack and, um, some, you know, pad and just some different things. And it got to the sleeping bag. And I was like, there's this massive discrepancy between what I feel like I can afford and what weight wise and size wise and everything I, I, I want. And so I just started looking and sourcing and, and, um, found a couple factories and ordered a couple samples and, um, picked the one that I thought was the best. And thankfully I had at that, by that point in time, I developed, um, some skills in marketing and online marketing and, um, and actually with Amazon and I listed them up on Amazon and, um, sold them and bought three more. And, you know, with, I had about 500 bucks that I put into these samples and stuff and I bought, you know, three more and, and sold those three and I bought five and sold those five and bought 10. And then I, you know, said, Hey, look, like I really want to design our own bag. I want to make these, these changes to it. And I want to put a logo on it and stuff. And I'm like, well, you'd have to order 50 units. Keep in mind, no factory will do it for 50 units. I, this is why I guess where I got lucky as an entrepreneur, um, like 50 units, you know, it's a couple grand worth of sleeping bags. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to sell 50 units, 50 sleeping bags. I'm like, you know, but I did it and I got them and I sold them in like one week and was like, holy smokes, this is, this is for real. So, um, you know, took my wife's tax return and bought some more bags and <laughs> off to the races we went, you know? Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I mean, I was pretty scrappy and like I say, starting at, at 23 years old, it was right as I graduated college, I filed for the business name the last month of my senior year and sold the product about a month after I graduated and really, um, kind of worked two jobs while I was starting it up and worked a lot of hours and, um, just got it off the ground. And then from there it was like, okay, now it's off the ground. Now let's build the company I really want to build. You know what I mean? And that's been the quest for, from then until now. Yeah. Before we get to the expansion of the company, uh, how'd you come up with the, with the name of the company? Where'd you come up with the outdoor vitals? Was it, was it something you always knew that uh, this is what it was going to be called or, or how'd that go? No, it was, it was just more of, I don't know, just looking for a name. Naming stuff is my least favorite thing to do. I'll, I'll be totally honest. Uh, <laughs> when we'd have to name products, it's like pulling teeth at the office, I feel like. But uh, no, it just, it just kind of happened into my lap, I guess, and, and liked it and, and rolled with it. You can always, I'm not just going to offer it up there. You can always go with like the, the John freaking Mirpod sleeping pad. Just yeah, possibility. For sure. For okay. sure. All right. <laughs> All right. So, so you got it off the ground. Easier naming something. Yeah. Uh, so you got it off the ground. How did, how did, what were the steps to expand the company? And what did you start out with originally? Was it just bags only, sleeping bags? And then, you know, did you expand your product line? Yeah. So that what I thought I could bring to market was a direct-to-consumer outdoor company. And I'm probably wrong saying this, so don't quote me on this, but to my knowledge, we are the first direct-to-consumer company in this space, in this niche. And so my whole thing, especially being graduated from college, having next to no money, you know, living on fumes, was, hey, we're going to come in at a, like I, by doing a direct-to-consumer, I can come in at a price point no one else can touch. And so I kind of benchmarked the Kelty Cosmic down sleeping bag and said, let me try to source something that would be on a similar level than that, beginner's level, and let's see if I can sell it for under $100. And so that's what we did. So I sourced a, a, about a 550 fill power down sleeping bag and we sold it for about 99 bucks. And again, the goal though was to provide education. So if you go back to our earliest YouTube videos on YouTube, you will literally see me um, in this little duplex I had bought um, in front of a window with curtains on it. You know what I mean? That was my backdrop. I had a coffee table for my table and I was sitting on a bucket and I'm describing how to, you know, take care of a sleeping bag, uh, you know, compress it, store it, etc. And, uh, you know, it's funny to go back because one of those first few that I did in that setting, I mean, has well over a hundred thousand views, you know, but, um, you know, so the big thing that I wanted to do was, was do it direct to consumer and provide education. I believed that people were just, they wanted the details, they wanted information, they wanted to know how. And so that, that's kind of the approach that we went at it. And, uh, so yeah, launched sleeping bags and then kind of expanded in the sleeping bag line to begin with. And then did you bring on additional personnel to help you run the company? No. So I did it, um, out of my tiny little 900 square foot duplex. Um, me and my wife were living there and I did it out of there for about a year and a half before I even went full-time. So I quit my day job after I'd earned more money in a single day without revitals than the month at my day job. <laughs> Cause I, I was just working nights. I just would work all night long on outdoor vitals and work my day job. And I was like, I just need, I need more inventory more than anything. So why would I, why would I quit my job? 
So I had a hallway stacked floor to ceiling of sleeping bags. You know what I mean? We couldn't use our front door. Um, just, I mean, it was scrappy. It was scrappy to say the least. And, uh, so I, I finally about a year and a half in went full time. And then about five months later, uh, four months later. So, um, got a place and, and then started hiring people from there. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know from taking a cruise around your, your website and looking at your story, um, you know, there's, there's a couple of sayings that I come across on a regular basis. One is living ultralight and the other is opening the outdoors. You know, yeah. what, can you talk about those a little bit and kind of uh, the philosophy of uh, outdoor vitals? Yeah. So kind of the original motto with outdoor vitals was opening the outdoors. It was that concept that we just talked about of like, man, if people knew there was right. good gear out there and if we can bring it to people at direct to consumer prices, we could change, we could change out the outdoors for everyone. We could open it essentially for everyone else to experience what, what the rest of us are now experiencing. And so that was really the goal um, for quite a while. And so we got a little farther into it. Um, just kind of, just kind of had some shifts, I guess, in what I wanted to accomplish. You know, I wanted to build better gear. I didn't want it to be focused on budgets and price points. I wanted to build the best gear we could. And, and, you know, kind of like we talked about earlier, like sometimes you save more money by buying the right product first, you know? And, and so it kind of started shifting from me feeling like we wanted to build budget stuff. And there just became this onslaught of copycats of our brand and, and others out there that were just undercutting prices and, and, just wasn't what we wanted to do. I wanted to design better gear, not worse. And I wanted to, and so we started to kind of shift from like just the concept of opening that doors had started to get labeled kind of budget. And so we shifted this to, um, live ultralight, which to me was more of where, you know, our followers were, where I was, where our company was, which is, you know, once you start to, to get into ultralight backpacking, everything else in your life, you start to filter through the same lens you've become almost a minimalist in other aspects of your life, right? I don't need 20 shirts. I wear these seven, you know, I don't know, like not, you know what I'm saying though, right? I do, absolutely. And you just start to just filter things through this concept of like, hey, I don't need to have this massive, whether it's just buying and wasting stuff, throwing it in the landfill, whether it's, hey, look, like why am I checking a bag when I get on an airplane? I can do this with a carry-on, you know, whether it's, um, you're traveling in a car and you just pack lighter, like everything yeah. gets better when it's you could, more ultralight. You could do it with a 10 to 12 pound carry on. Exactly. Right? 10 to exactly. 12 pound. Now don't, 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 yeah. the, the, <laughs> so I'm taking my laptop and a book and a, no. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the whole point. And so that became like this thing was like realized where, you know, it's not just about ultralight backpacking gear. It's about being ultralight and minimal, in a lot of areas of your life. And, and that's where it kind of became like our brand, you know, if, if you really get our brand and as we expand lines, you know, we've expanded into apparel now, um, soon later this year, we'll, ex- we'll actually throw something into the travel sector, um, carry on, right. We've, <laughs> we're a backpacking company, right? So, um, anyways, but like so on and so forth. And so live ultralight was really born where it's like, it's not, it's no longer like, Hey, here's the ultralight base weight. It's like, if you get the concept of living ultralight, you just apply it. It's just like, it's not so much that even anyone in our office is like, oh man, I weighed in at 10 pounds today and I'm at 11 and, and this and this. It's more like, don't bring more than you need and filter everything through this lens. And if you're even at 15 pounds, like 
as long as you filtered everything and you're living your life in this manner, that's probably what you needed for this trip. And anyway, so that's kind of, that's, that's living ultralight to us. It's minimal impact on, on the environment and the world through not buying so much stuff, consumerism and, and whatnot, but, it, and then it's also just being minimal in, in other aspects of your life. And, and then especially though, I mean, our core focus is ultralight backpacking. Mm-hmm. And are you still keeping all your, your product lines in your hallway, blocking the front door? <laughs> no, no, I put, I, 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 <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I, my in-laws are living in the duplex now. So we've, we've moved on and I, I we have a warehouse and, and a team. And so <laughs> things have changed drastically uh, since, since, you know, blocking off the hallway and stealing my wife's tax return. So and also, I want to throw out uh, a big kudos out there to your wife, um, to my wife, those spouses out there who put up with our our interests and hobbies and our passions and put up with what they have to put up with to let us work our way through it. Yeah, for sure. Very super supportive. I can't say enough about that. Um, we might, might not be through hiker crazy, but we're pretty crazy, you know? <laughs> All right. So now if someone were to go to Outdoor Vitals, the, the online store, what, what sorts of products could they find there? So really, I mean, our bread and butter is, is ultralight backpacking. And um, we've, we've tried to um, slowly, you know, create basically a, a place where you could go and acquire almost every piece of gear that you need, whether we make it or whether we retail it. Um, we're trying to make it seamless. We're trying to educate and, and explain things to try to take more or less uh, choices out of it. You know what I mean? So like some of the stuff we retail, for instance, is like we retail the Catadine Be Free because it's like a very proven filter for us. We don't retail five different filters. We retail the one that everyone in the office likes the most and has the most experience with and stuff. But yeah, for the most part for us, you're going to find sleep systems. That's where we got started. Um, moved into shelter systems. We've got backpacks. Um, we've launched a handful of apparel pieces that have done really, really well. Um, We've, I think we've now pre-sold, you know, over $2 million worth of apparel um, via Kickstarter and different crowdfunding um, areas. And so, um, yeah, we've got a lot and it just, it just continues, just continues to grow. We're on a really good pace right now and just continue to roll out product lines. Um, So like going back to kind of that concept of living ultralight, if that kind of resonated with you, there's a good chance that if you come to our website, there's going to be a lot of things that feel very, very applicable to you and, and we'll try backpacking and slowly into even more lifestyle stuff. Okay. And I also saw something on uh, live ultralight membership. What's that all about? Yeah, that is. So being a direct to consumer company, I'm, I'm very anti venture capital, which is how most everyone does it anymore. Right. They go out there, they sell a piece of their soul to, some investors and, and they just grow. And so, like I just mentioned, we've done crowd equity funding and some different things. And so we've kind of built this membership to be almost, uh, I don't want to say a partnership, but we've built this membership where it's a, it's a store credit membership, 10 bucks a month is all it is. And you instantly get $10 in store credit uh, to spend on the store. But then we stack on a handful of other things, you know, year round discounts, free priority shipping, um, we early launch everything to our members. We, you know, we've done pre-sales to our members. They get access to a close Facebook group where, you know, we're consistently coaching and giving advice in there and answering questions. Um, 
I don't know. We've built in a handful of things. So I'm going to forget them all. We do limited runs sometimes to memberships. Um, but more or less, it's just a store credit membership that gives you access to a bunch of, of discounts and deals for us. And um, it's been a phenomenal thing. We launched it less than a year ago and there's um, thousands of members in there and um, they're awesome. The Facebook group has turned into a really, really um, awesome piece as well that um, it's been fun to watch and yeah, it's just been a thriving, thriving fun thing to, to see for sure. We've got a, we've, we've definitely, you know, I've got, can't say enough that we've got a very good group of customers, a very strong customer base and, and I'm very thankful for them. Fantastic. Congratulations. That sounds so exciting. You've come a mm-hmm. long way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we really have, and, and I've, you know, to even build a little bit more on kind of the company is, I talked a little bit about how, like, you know, in the beginning it was very, there was some, you know, we kind of got labeled as budget. We were releasing things budget and then we started to grow from there. And then we released um, a jacket called the Loft Tech jacket. It was a jacket that looked like down, acts like down, but it's a synthetic piece. So you could totally soak it wet, whatever, compress it, soak it underwater for however, how long it's not going to fail like a, like a down jacket would. Um, and we, we pre-sold that jacket and it sold over a million dollars in pre-sales. And that was a huge turning point for the company, not because we hadn't done a million dollars in sales to that point, because it was just a very iconic piece. And um, I was able to take that and then go get into A plus level manufacturers, these guys that were manufacturing for the Arterixes and the Patagonias and, you know, get into their factories. And ever since then, it's just been a ride. You know, the, the things that we can do now, things we can design, um, it, they love to work with companies like us. They love direct to consumer brands because we don't have to design for price points. We design the best product we can. And then we're still going to be cheaper than retail. You know what I mean? Because of the direct to consumer, which if you don't know what direct to consumer means, it just means we're not paying a retail store to sell our stuff. They're going to take like a 50% markup, 40% markup on gear. We don't have to play that game. So we're able to design more expensive gear and then it's still going to, it ends up being cheaper still than, than the retail brands. And so, um, yeah, it's just been a ton of fun and we've gone through stages of outdoor vitals and, and I finally feel like, you know, the products we're launching products we have launched and redesigned in the last, uh, one, two years has been like, we've, we've made it to what I dreamed kind of the whole time. But, um, if you followed our journey at all, um, it, 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 uh, we didn't start, you know, with, with money, we didn't start with experience. This is my first company, you know, it'll be my only company, honestly. And, um, it's, we just started different than most companies out there, but we used Amazon as a stepping stone and now we hardly do any business on Amazon, but, um, it, it, it eventually worked into where we're at now. And, and, uh, it's just, it's been a lot of fun and, 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 uh, just, just very happy with the team and everything that's gone on to, to kind of create it and get into the point where it's at right now. Yeah. Is it a great place to work? Employees enjoy being there? I I think so. We don't really have turnover. So um, yeah, we, we, we get to go and we do a a monthly trip with the team, you know, one, two, three nights uh, a month and, and get out there and and we we find that those, you know, develop a lot of of culture and they also just give our team a lot of chance to experience the gear, use it. And and just are a lot of fun. And I think the employees really appreciate, you know, getting out there and doing that. And um, it's, it's, it's fun. Everyone has a lot of hats and a lot of jobs and, and stuff, but, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an exciting place to work, I guess. 
You know, that's funny you say that because, you know, I work in a school district and I, I, uh, offered up to the district office staff. I said, Hey, let's do two weeks in the Sierras camping outside. And they all looked at me like I was crazy. So, I mean, I guess <laughs> I'm, I'm just not in the right in the right business for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you ask any people off the street, something like that, they're going to think you're crazy, but <laughs> very good. Hey, what's, what's the next adventure for Taysen and what's the next adventure for outdoor vitals? Um, we've got some local stuff in the near future, the bigger trips we've got planned. Um, we've got a trip to Seattle. We're hoping to get into Olympic. We've got, uh, some travel pieces that we've got to test that are kind of travel to mountain pieces. So those will be fun. We've got some, some development and work that we want to do there as a team. And then we've got, we're getting into some, uh, you know, kind of talking about like type two fun. We've got a 70 mile two night hike with a lot of elevation. Um, so it's kind of one of those where we're going to be trying to cover about 25 miles a day through some really rough country, but that one's going to be a ton of fun. We're going to, we're, we're kind of putting together something that we've never done before and in the speed we're trying to do it. And, and some of the things that we're, we're testing and, and pushing us to train ourselves more and, and get out there and do some trail running and stuff. And then definitely the pinnacle of this season right now that's in the books is uh, the Uinta Highline Trail, which is over 100 miles uh, going through the Uintas. It's a really good documentary out there um, about it called Highline. If you want to learn, learn or watch a little more of this country, but it's kind of the same as the John Muir type of terrain where it's 80 plus percent of it's over 10,000 feet. Um, but we're going to try to crank it out in five days and do about 20 miles a day in that country. And um, so just this summer stacked with, with some really fun stuff. And, and then in between all that, we've got our own personal stuff and we've got <laughs> all sorts of stuff. So hopefully if, in the summer, we'll find some time to work too. Nice. Was Highline, was that Outmersive Films? That sounds correct. Yes. Yeah. I watched it a while ago and I just was about to rewatch it um, when we got it planned and on the books finally. And, and but that sounds, yeah. sounds right. A couple Even Darwin ago. on the trail recently hiked it yeah. as well. That guy's yeah. a beast, man. They cranked it out fast. He's yeah. A, a, a couple weeks ago I had uh, Chris Smead, uh, of outmersive films on the on the yeah. podcast and his episode is actually going to air after this one so this is almost like a little promo for for chris mead's episode it's for coming. sure yeah. watch it it's it's like i actually think that one of the questions that um maybe you had kind of sent over was was like oh, what what you do to like stay hyped up right um adventure media recommendations yes we're going to get that to is, that that's right that's it that's it we already hit it right there. Okay. Very I good. literally like I've I, stuff like that is, is I love it. I think it's, it's amazing stuff. Cause yeah. I love education, but it's like so inspiring to see the areas, the views it's, you know, that was, that's a great one. So if you, when you interview him, let him know, I gave him kudos. I think it's amazing. We're coming I, I down already, the trail this year. I already, I already interviewed him. His, okay. epi his episode's going to come out after yours though. So that's just the okay. way it works sometimes. Then, then go, go get a hold of it and watch the, the film. Yeah. So. All right. Hey, my listeners know that I like to throw a, an impromptu top five list in every once in a while. And I thought it'd be very appropriate to ask you your top five best-selling products for outdoor vitals. Ooh. Ooh. Um, the Loftec jacket has continued to kill it. Um, how, do you, how do you spell that? <laughs> I could write it better than I could spell it. Um, L-O-F-T- Capital T E K, Loft Tech. Loft Tech. Got it. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. So the Loftec jacket, it's just a phenomenal all around piece, you know, no worries. Be active in it. It's a puffy jacket is, is essentially what it is. It's going to compare mm-hmm. to any puffy level jacket. Um, the Shadowlight backpack has just been killing it. Like incredible reviews. People are in love with it and it really fills a void in the market. Um, so check that one out. Okay. Um, I'd say our top quilts would be the next one. Now, when this airs, we'll probably be out of stock on top quilts because we can't keep those things in stock. But by the time they come back in stock, we will be launching a brand new top quilt, which, you know, we've top quilts historically have been designed from the hammock perspective and adapted to the ground. We went back and started with ground campers in mind, designed it for that because it's going to work fine in the hammock, I guess. But, but it's, it's going to really reduce drafts, I guess is the best way to say it. So nice. top quilts, um, definitely, definitely a big one. Um, our pads have done really, really well. Um, I definitely want to accomplish more in the pad sector. So I won't push that one too hard. There's, we're working. The, if you're designing something, don't start off with pads, man. There's so many patents out there. You've got to look at and scrutinize. And there's some big players in the pad game that have... Um, done some good IP work, I guess you could say. <laughs> hey, do me do me a favor, Taysen. When you're designing your pad, don't do one of those squeaky pads where it sounds like a, a bag potato of potato chip. chips. Oh my gosh, I almost killed a guy on a trip. I I, <laughs> I I couldn't take it anymore. Dude, that's funny because I hear that all the time. I hear that all the time. Like, oh, the X therm is so noisy, <laughs> and I've got an X therm before I cut it up, and uh, it I didn't didn't bother me. It didn't bother me. And I expected to, like, I almost, I think I brought earplugs the first time I used it thinking it was going to be so bad. So you must be a little sensitive here. Well, uh, you know, it didn't bother <laughs> you, but what about the guy you were backpacking with? That's the question. <laughs> maybe that's the, maybe that's the difference. Um, All right. One more. Number five. Sheesh. Um, bestseller. That's tough. Our summit, our summit sleeping bags, I kind of are, are definitely in there, but I haven't, I've already kind of touched on them. Um, here's a good one. Here's a really good one. We sell tens of thousands of backpacking pillows, tens of thousands. Um, we, we kind of use it to get our foot in the front door and let people know who we are. So if you want a backpacking pillow, you can get one for free. Uh, if you go to outdoorvitals.com forward slash free pillow or just search it or whatever, you'll find a page where you can just pay the shipping on it and we'll send you a backpacking pillow. Um, but those, there's a lot, many, probably hundreds of thousands of pillows of Outdoor Vitals out there. And uh, it's nice. a go-to. Even, that, even when I'm ultralight backpacking, I'm yeah. bringing a pillow. Yep, for sure. Well worth it. Now, is that a special deal only for John Freaking Mirpod listeners? Sure is. Okay, excellent. See that? You're a listener. You get a special deal at Outdoor or, or if you sign up for the Live Ultralight membership, let's say you go to our website, look around at some of the products, and you think, hey, I might be interested in buying something here. It's a no-brainer to sign up for the membership because you can cancel any time, whatever. Um, it doesn't cost you anything, especially if you're going to spend money. You're just going to get the savings, and we'll give you a free pillow for signing up. So then it's okay. totally free. That's a totally free pillow. You don't even have to pay for shipping. If you're a John Freaky Mirror pod listener. If you're a John Mirror podcast listener, that's a, that's a behind the scenes. Uh, you, you don't have to put any, any, any like uh, code in though, because there's, 
there's uh yeah, how important vitals. you guys are i don't want you to have to tinker with that it's just show up and we've changed the whole website for the john Muir podcast yeah uh, outdoor vitals they know they know who you are so there you go yep all yep. right hey Tayson, you know where we are i don't where we, we are at that time of the episode where I turn Uh-oh. to you and ask you for your pro tip insight of the week. What okay. little piece of wisdom can you share with our listeners to make their next outdoor experience even better? Okay. I didn't even have to think about this very long. Um, there is something that I feel like is extremely overlooked. It's completely free. It saves you money, saves you time, anxiety, and it most definitely will save you weight in your pack. Um, people talk about them a little bit, but there's so much more you could do, which is utilizing checklists. So for every trip that I do, especially every bigger trip, I'll save every bigger trip. I have a document in a Google drive folder. I go there, I duplicate my last gear list. I go through my gear list. I look at the weights. I throw in my chair. If it's a chair kind of trip or a fishing pole, you know, fly rod or something. And, um, but that single piece is going to save you so much more. And the way that it saves you money is if you're, if you are using it before you buy your gear, meaning like you plug in your sleeping bag and you're like, Whoa, I'm at 15 pound base weight and I want to be under 12. And you're like, Oh, but my sleeping bag's heavy. Then, you know, beforehand, so you're not buying two sleeping bags. You buy the one, realize it's not good enough, adapt it. Right. But I, I tell you what, like, like I can pack faster than ever with zero anxiety that I forgot something it's totally free. It's fast. Like it's, it's not hard. And then just like you said, you get a lot of kicks and bonuses out of the planning, right? So like this first trip we have the 70 miler in, in, um, three days, it, it, it's, I'm already building my gear list and I'm like, man, I've got it down to, to 8.9 pounds. You know, we've got massive days, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've got to get this base weight as low as we can. We're going to move in most of the day. I don't need any camp comfort type, you know, and you just start building it out and it's a ton of fun, but also it's, it's just, it's going to save you more weight, more time, more headache than anything else. So if you haven't already go open Google drive, open an Excel sheet and start putting stuff in. If you want a cheat code, go to our website, scroll to the very bottom. There's a free checklist like link. We'll send you an Excel spreadsheet. Just open it in Google Drive. You've got a baseline to start off of. And, uh, but really, it's like, it's a no-brainer. And I'd, you got to have a checklist. Like, you really do. Like, it's, it's, so that's my pro tip. Excellent pro tip. The power of the checklist. Excellent. Yep. All right. So there you have it. That's it. This bonus episode for season two is in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Tayson. Want to thank him for joining us this week. Jason, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Um, two best ways. We do have a podcast as well called the Live Ultralight Podcast. Um, it's a pretty, I guess, technical focused pro- uh, podcast. We talk a lot, of, a lot about gear and, and just tips and tricks type of stuff. Um, so you can find us there or our YouTube channel. We post, you know, basically weekly there. So whichever is your preference, hit us up there and, and, uh, We'll see you over there. <laughs> All right. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakingmirror at gmail.com. Tayson, I was also going to ask you about uh, a recommendation for adventure media, but you already threw it out there. Highline, 
Um, I will also throw out to our listeners then to stay tuned for an upcoming episode um, with Eric Blem, who is the author of The Last Season, which is a great book. It's going to be my adventure media, media recommendation this episode. Go out and get yourself The Last Season. It's the story of Randy Morganson, who is a backcountry ranger for Sequoia and Kings Canyon uh, National mm. Parks and for 30 years. Uh, assisted on many rescues and uh, saved a lot of lives out there. And then one year he went missing. And so this is the story of what happened to Randy Morganson. Excellent story. Excellent story. So if you haven't read it, Jason, I, I highly recommend it. Yeah. I'll, I, I noted it down. I'll look it up. Okay. And before we wrap things up, I'm starting a new segment called what have I not asked you that you're dying to tell me about? <laughs> did, did we leave anything out? Um, I don't know. That is a, that's a good question. What have you not asked me? Um, I, I don't know. I don't know. I guess, you know, you started the podcast off kind of saying like, if you want to work in the outdoors, right. Mm -hmm. And, and create a career or something like that in this. Um, I think that's like a dream of a lot of, a lot of people is, is to do something like that. They all start Instagram accounts and, and so on and so forth. And I don't get hit up as much anymore, but I mean, someone on our team is getting emails probably every day. And so just some advice on that is, is um, look for what you can give to a company, what you, instead of what you can kind of take from a company. And I think you'll find more and more success. Um, you know, it, it, opening up relationships and stuff like that is really good. But, um, there's a lot of guys, you know, hit us up. They've got like two subscribers on YouTube and are like, want a sponsorship, you know? And, and so if you want to get started or be a part of this industry, maybe take a lesson from even how I got started with, with importing products and selling online and working for free during my lunches and, and getting a foot in the door. Um, but I, I think that there's, a lot of great jobs in the outdoor industry and, and I think everyone deserves to work somewhere where they love and if you're interested in even working for Outdoor Vitals you know hit us up we've we've got a growing team and so let us know um yeah that'd be just to wrap up that initial opener I guess okay very good uh that is a wrap from the John Freakamere studio any shout outs to friends and family Tayson uh no I mean just the Outdoor Vital team they're they're studs um and they're, they're, uh, they're killing it. So, all right. They deserve a lot of credit. Keep up the great work. Thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. It doesn't even care if you're out in the backcountry and the lightning and thunder is crashing all around you. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. <laughs>